Hey, this is Alex Moore, lead pastor of New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Thanks for taking time to listen to this message. For more information or to donate, visit newlifekc.com. Well, happy Mother's Day. I'm so excited to be here with you today because I love Mother's Day because I'm a mom. So Mother's Day is real good. And my husband does a great job at taking care of me on Mother's Day. And I'm a mom and I've got three boys. And so I think we have a picture of them. And I've got a seven-year-old named Max, a five-year-old named Miles, and a two-year-old named Micah. Aren't they cute? Look how nice they look. They, um, I, I do have some gray hairs coming in at 34, and I think it's from them. But they are just a joy, and I'm just so thankful that they're mine. Um, one, one is really sweet, and uh, they're, they're all kind of different personalities, so I'll just fill you in. One, one's really sweet, um, one's pretty silly, and then I've got one that's kind of spicy. And so... <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which one's which, but you can maybe look and guess. But this is my family, and I'm just so grateful that God has given me three boys to raise, hoping to raise them to be godly men, world changers, difference makers. And so that's my family. And so I love Mother's Day because it's a day that, you know, I can kind of be like, it's about me, right? It's about me. My husband made me breakfast this morning. It was fantastic. So I love Mother's Day for that reason, but I also love Mother's Day because it gives me a chance to celebrate my own mom. And so many of you know my mom, Regina. She's here, and everybody loves my mom that meets my mom. Everybody just really enjoys her because she's really friendly. She's really nice. She usually has something fun to say. But I love my mom because my whole life, I've never had to wonder if my mom loved me. Without a doubt, every day, she would leave before work. Love you, have a good day, right? She tells us that she loves us, and she shows us that she loves us. I watched my mom raise me and my three siblings on her own, oftentimes working multiple jobs to make it happen. And so she taught me about hard work. That woman works. Yes, she still works. She's at it. She works so hard, and she's talked to me about the value of work. She taught me some other really good things that have made me who I am, like respecting your elders. What a lost art in today's world, right? (laughs) Using your manners, please and thank you. I was always taught that. And so my mom has put so much in me. And one thing my mom is that I I haven't quite been, I could be better, is she's really generous. And this woman will give you literally anything off of her back. She's been known to give you jewelry. So if you say, hey, I like your necklace, she's like, would you like that, you know? Just this week, she told me, literally, she gave someone a pair of shoes. She had, they needed a pair. She had a pair in her car that she just bought, and she said, you can have them. Okay, so my mom is so generous, and the benefactors of her generosity the most are my children. For better or for worse, right? (laughs) Some might say spoiled. Um, Some might say, my husband, it's a little much, right? (laughs) Grandma always comes in with her bag, but my kids love Grandma Gina. And so today I get to celebrate my mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. And that's another reason why I love Mother's Day. But also, if you didn't know, my mother-in-law is in the room. That's right. Now I know some of you are like, ooh, mother-in-law, right? Some of you may not have the best experience with your mother-in-law, but I'm sorry to say... I hate to break it to you, but I think I got the best one. (laughs) My mother-in-law, she is the best. She is the best support, 
the encouragement. She's a great friend to me. She's always pepping me up and talking to me and also helping take care of our children and helping us to raise them in the way that we feel like God wants us to. And she's always there. She's always encouraging us to go out on date nights. And what I really love about her, she's, she's really fun to be around. I think that's the thing. Most people, she's kind of quiet, so you don't know that. And, and when we first, um, when Alex and I first started dating, I thought his dad was the funny one. So, you know, everyone knows Pastor Jim, and he's got the jokes. But I tell you what, whenever they're house for dinner, and I'm like, his mom is so funny. You don't know what she's going to say, and that is the best part. We have been many times in public, and things have been said, and we lose it. We are hysterically laughing. And so I love my mother-in-law. I'm so grateful for how she's taught me how to be a pastor's wife, how to love her husband. And I just want to say Happy Mother's Day, Debbie, to you as well. So that's because I got, to, I got the microphone, so I got to do that. So thank you for letting me do that. But for many of you, Mother's Day is great because you might have had a woman in your life, whether it's your mom or not, that has made an impact on who you are. And I just want to encourage you today to think about those women. It might be a neighbor or a teacher. It might be a grandma. Whoever it is that's made an impact on your life. You might be like me, and I actually have a bonus mom I'm so blessed. I have a second mom. My best friend's mom who's here today, she was like a second mom to me growing up. She just took me right into her family, and I was just another daughter of hers, always taking me out, driving me around all the time, paying for meals all the time, and just letting me be a part of their family. And I'm so grateful for women like her that take us under and lead us and teach us, right? And so today, I just want you to think about that. If you get a chance to just send a text or a phone call, write a card, just reach out to those women who have been influential in your life. Today's a great day to do that. So can we give it up for all the moms, all the women? Can you guys give a hand? Now, this is really special for me. Um, like you said, I was, I was a little nervous. And here's the reason why. Because I grew up since age 16 coming to this church. So when I was 16 years old, I'm sitting in the seats that you're sitting in, and I'm coming to church for the very first time. I'm coming, and at 16, I had a lot of big questions about life. I was thinking a lot about these like things that keep you awake at night, like, what is my purpose? Why am I here? What is life about? And at 16, I'm processing this as I'm watching the people around me and the way that they live, and I told you guys my mom's a hard worker, and I would watch her wake up and go to work and work really hard and then come home and be exhausted to go to bed and then to wake up and do it again and then the next day. And then I thought, I don't know if I want to be an adult. I mean, that does not sound like fun. But I was really searching for that meaning of life, and I believe I, was, I had a void in me that I was seeking. And I look back now and I see that it was God who was beginning to lead and speak and draw me to him. And thankfully, I had a friend from work that invited me to this church. He invited me to come just for fun. But when I came, I knew that this was the place where I could belong. I knew that this was quite possibly that thing that I was searching for. And I began to process my faith as I came and I, I listened to messages. I sat where you guys are Seated now, I would listen to the message and I would think about my own life. 
And as I did that, in, in time and all these things I went through, I came to a place of realizing that it's God that I was missing. It's him. It's knowing him. And I decided to begin to follow Jesus. I, at that time, had no idea what that meant. I didn't know the Bible. I thought, you know, I prayed a few times, threw up some prayers, right? I, I didn't understand what it really meant to follow Jesus. But at that moment, my heart was there. And I was all in to follow Jesus. And now today, who would have thought, here I am, getting to share this message with you. And so I just want to encourage you, you may be just like me sitting in that road today and having those questions. And, I, and I'm with you. And it's kind of interesting because at that time, it was a simple thing I did. I just gave Jesus all of me. I didn't I didn't make it complicated. It was just a choice I made. But when I look back, I see that it was that very simple thing that changed my life forever. And so this morning, we're going to look at a scripture where Jesus is going to share a truth. And it seems very simple, but it's very powerful. And so if you have your Bible or your phone, or we'll put it up on the screen, we are going to be reading from the book of Mark. And in this story, we're going to be looking at an encounter that a man, a religious leader, had with Jesus. And it's really interesting when we start to think about how Jesus was interacting with people in that day. This man, this religious leader, is going to show up on the scene, and he's actually eavesdropping, overhearing Jesus have a debate Okay, wouldn't anybody like, I'd like to overhear that, right? I'm listening in, seeing what he's saying. So this man's going to show up. He's going he's gonna to hear this debate happening, and it's intriguing to him, and he's going to pursue Jesus. So we're going to look at verse 28. It says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Okay, so as we stop here, we think about this religious man. It's interesting to note that he was someone who was a teacher of the law. So this guy was an expert on all of the laws and the rules in the first five books of the Bible. So first, it's interesting that he's actually going to come to Jesus to ask him a question that he himself is educated on. It's like, that's kind of interesting. That debate he heard intrigued him so much that he wanted to reach out and ask Jesus a question. He overhears Jesus debating. He noticed Jesus gave him a good answer and ended the debate pretty clearly. And so he was so impressed that he wanted to ask him a question himself. And it seems like this question is from a really good place. You know, sometimes we see in the Bible where people are trying to trick Jesus, right? They're trying to trap him. They want to ask a question to get him to be tricked. As we read this and you read the context, it doesn't appear that this was that man's heart. He had a genuine question. And it's fair because there's 613 commandments that they had to follow in the first five books of the Bible. Could you guys imagine trying to keep all of these rules? 613. So I think it's a very fair question for him to ask. He really wanted to know, what is the most important thing for us to do? Such a great question. So let's see what Jesus says. Verse 29 says, Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. 
Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Here we go. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And now we're going to get to see what the teacher of the law, the religious leader, has to say. He hears this, verse 32, and he says, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all of my heart and all of my understanding and all of my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. And then realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. It's a mic drop, right? <laughs> it was over, right? So it's really interesting because what was it that this man, this religious leader, what was it that he understood? What did Jesus recognize in him that he understood about what Jesus said? And I believe it's because this man knew the core, the heart of the message that Jesus was trying to share. That this greatest commandment, the most important thing for us to do, was not about sacrifices or burnt offerings or following all the rules perfectly. It wasn't about your knowledge, knowing like all the right things to do. It was all about love. It's about our heart, not just a religious obligation or a duty we feel like we have to do. Jesus explains what love is supposed to be. And this must have been really hard for that man to understand because he was a teacher of the law. Like, that's what he based his life off of, right? Doing the right things. Those people were perfect. They always followed the religious rules exactly right. And Jesus comes in and says, hey, it's not about that. It's actually about love. And this was a powerful thing to think about. And I love that Jesus didn't just say love in a general sense, like just love with your heart, just love, all show love, right? No, he actually was so specific in how we are to love God. And so as we look at that verse, some of you guys might have heard this verse in church before and it's familiar, but we hear that Jesus says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. That's from the center of us. That's our center being, to love him wholeheartedly and with sincerity. He says to love with our souls. And in scripture, we're, this scripture particularly, we're talking about your emotions, your affections for God. He says to love the Lord God with all your mind. That's like our intellect, right? How we think, how we process. And then he says with all of your strength. And this is our energy, our drive, that we would put all that we have into our love for Jesus. When I think about loving God with all of me, and I think about this, I don't know about you guys, but it's like, whoa, that is a lot. And here's the truth. It requires all of me. It requires a level of devotion that is not passive. This isn't something that just happens. You no, know, it requires some intentionality. 
There is purpose and intentionality. If I say, I'm going to love you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength, and all of my mind. And this is what it means to be fully devoted to God. This is the greatest commandment. And so as I was thinking about this idea of being devoted, I was thinking about, you know, what are some things that we are devoted to in our life? Now, I'm a mom, so uh, I'm really devoted to naps, okay? I've got small children, so when it's nap time, I'm napping. Usually someone calls me like, were you taking a nap? And I'm like, eh, you know, probably, right? I love to take naps. I'm pretty devoted. But there's other things, like um, how many of you in here are a Chiefs fan? Woo! Woo! All right? Yeah, you all are pretty devoted. Now, it's a very fun time to be a devoted Chiefs fan, isn't it? It just, it's so good. It's so fun. Um, the Royals, not really as much fun. Even sporting KC has been a little sad. But the Chiefs, man, we can ride or die on the Chiefs, can't we? And so you might be devoted like my family is to the Chiefs. We love the Chiefs. Now, in particular, my husband loves the Chiefs. And so you might find him on Sunday watching a game, and he is not missing it. In fact, he's got the big screen, and then he's got the surround sound, and it's like, everybody be quiet, you know? And the kids are running around crazy, and he's like, shh, we got to listen to the game, right? And so he is loving watching the Chiefs, and he gets real into it and loves it. Well, he loves it so much. He's so devoted that, like, the week before, he starts listening to commentators, and people talk about the game. And all I hear in my house is like, who's going to win? What players do they have? Who's injured? How's Patrick Mahomes going to do? And it's this whole thing all week. So we're getting up to the big game. And then inevitably, like, especially last year, it was like every game is the best game. This game is going to be so good, right? And so he gets so excited. He's into it. And so then the game comes, and we win, and it's awesome. And then guess what happens? He starts to listen to commentary, again, about what happened at the game. And here we go again, this loop, you guys, in my house, all week long. I hear these people just talk about the game. And so I just think it's so funny when we talk about, we pull back and we realize that there are some things that we are devoted to that we probably don't even think about. And now some of you might have some of your own devotions. You might um, be devoted to your garden, any gardeners in here? There are some people that are like hardcore about their garden. They're buying all these contraptions. I'm not a person with a green thumb, but I think it's really cool that you do that. Um, some of you might say, I'm pretty devoted at work. That is what takes all of me. I give all myself at work. And all of these devotions are kind of a part of life. And they're, they're not bad things. They're not all bad things. But as we read in the scripture, Jesus says that our greatest devotion should be to God. He should get our full devotion. And I know it's easy to stand up here and say that, right? You got the microphone, you can say that. But I know it's really hard to be devoted to God because life happens and there's things in our life that can take away that devotion. And so today, as we get to our, the meat of our message, we are going to be sharing two hindrances to devotion now, I, I'm a good teacher today, and I made it really easy because the two hindrances both start with a D. So it's going to make it really easy for you to remember. You're welcome. And we're just going to talk about this really quick. What keeps us from being devoted? So the first hindrance to devotion is deception. Whether we realize it or not, we have an enemy that is trying to keep us from our devotion to God. And one way he does this is by deceiving us into believing the wrong things about God. Satan wants us to question God, 
who he is, what's his character. And this deception might look like this. Let's see if you can relate. You might question God's character and start to say, well, who, who is God? Is, is God really good? I mean, I know we say that at church, but like I'm going through some really hard stuff and I'm not feeling like God's very good right now. Is God really good? Or he might have you start questioning, does, does God really love me? I know we sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, but does he really love me? I mean, I've messed up a lot. I don't feel worthy of his love. Does he really love me? And these questions keep our heart from being fully devoted to him. We begin to uh, question his trust, whether he's trustworthy. Can I really trust God? I mean, if I give him everything, is he going to let me down? I know he's going to say that he's going to be with me, but what if he's not? What if I'm alone? What if I, what if I reach out and I, and I do this and I feel so alone? And that alone, that deception keeps us from being fully open to loving God. And I think the worst deception of all and the hardest to realize is when we are deceived into thinking that we don't need God. I'm good. I'm good, God. I got this. I don't, I, I don't need you. I don't need you yet. Some of you might be like, yet. I'm good right now. I don't need you yet. And that is a really hard place to be because we're holding on to control. And we think we've got it. And the truth is we don't. And so this reminded me of a story. It's one of my favorite motherhood stories to share. You know when your kids say really funny things and you're like, I got to write that down. I never want to forget it. Okay, so this is one of those stories because I was taking Max to soccer for the very first time. He was five years old and uh, he's my first kid. So like this is so exciting because I love soccer. I grew up playing soccer. It was just the best times of my life. I love it. And so I'm so excited for him to play soccer for the first time. So I've got my minivan, because I'm a minivan mom now. Look at me go. I got the snacks. I got the drinks. And he's got his shin guards and cleats. And, and we're ready for soccer practice. And so Max is my kid. Um, he likes to ask a lot of questions. He is my kid that like processes what's going to happen. If you guys have a kid like that, like he's thinking. And so he's asking me all these questions in the car, like, okay, so mom, you know, what are we going to do at practice? I'm trying to tell him, and what, what's my coach's name? How many kids are going to be there? And he's, like, processing all this. So I'm trying to encourage him and make sure he has fun. And then he asked me a, a really interesting question from the backseat of the car. He says, um, hey, mom, what if I'm not very good? What if I mess up? And I never thought about that question. But I had this moment where I was like, this is it. This is my moment to shine as a parent. This is my moment to pour out some wisdom on my kid. I was ready. And so I'm like thinking, what do I say? And I felt like this dime of golden nugget fell right on me. And I was so excited to say it because it even rhymed. So I'm, I'm hearing him and I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm like, so he's like, you know, what if I'm, what if I'm not good? And I said, well, hey, Max, he said, listen. You just do your best and let God take care of the rest. And I can't believe that came out of my mouth. I was like, score. Like, and I couldn't believe that. And so I was like, this is good. And so you know what? He heard it. And from the back seat, he was like, okay, mom, I'll do my best and let God take care of the rest. And I was like, yes. 
yes. He got it. He repeated it back. Like, we are in. And so we head to practice. And, like, I'm happy and he's happy and we're all good and we're excited. And so he gets out, to, out there to play and he jumps right in. And, of course, I'm like, he's a natural. Look at him go. I think he's the best five-year-old out there, right? All of the parents are biased at that age, right? No kid's really good. But we're all thinking our kid is the best. I was like, he's a natural. And so I'm watching him play and he's doing awesome. And we get done and uh, he... He's so excited. He said, did you have fun? And he said, yeah, I had so much fun. And can we go back next week? And I said, yeah, we can go back. And so we get in the car, and we're headed home. And uh, I hear him from the back seat pipe up again. So I'm wondering what's going to come out. And uh, he says, hey, Mom, do you remember when you told me, do your best and let God take care of the rest? And I was like, of course I do. Look at that wisdom. You're so smart. I was like, yeah, I remember that. He said, well, um, I did my best, but I didn't need God because I was pretty good. (laughs) And then I realized I got to teach him about humility now. (laughs) He's that kid, right? But isn't that how we get? We begin to think that we are pretty good. Like, I'm pretty good. I didn't need God for that. But that is the deception because that keeps us from giving our all to God. We actually think we have some control. We actually think we've got it when we really don't. And that's a really scary place for us to be. And so that's our first hindrance to devotion. Our second hindrance today, our other D, is the word distraction. Distraction. Now, life is full of distractions, isn't it? Some of you might be in this room and be distracted right now. You might even be listening to me. I don't know. Okay? You are distracted. We get distraction. And distraction keeps us from being fully devoted because it takes our eyes off of what matters most. Life is full. We get distracted by the easiest things, don't we? The notification on our phone. The notification on our watch. Right? Squirrel. Right? Some of you guys are like that. You might even be like me, and sometimes you walk into a room and you forget why you're there, right? You're like, I got distracted. I put the laundry in, and I turned around, and I, you know, and then you're like, what was I doing, right? And so we all have times of, in life that we are distracted, and that distraction takes our eyes off of what's most important. And so since I'm up here and I get to confess all of my struggles with you guys, I have had times in my life where I've been distracted. Shocking, right? Well, there was a time um, when I went to the grocery store, and I had my list. It was right after work. I had to get some groceries to make dinner. And I go to the grocery store, and I'm getting through, and I've got my plan. I've got my groceries. I've got my cart. And I'm getting my list, and all of a sudden, I see this man in the aisle by me, and he seems a little unhappy, a little grumpy, a little disgruntled. And then I see him talking to some other workers there, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on over there, but I'm going to stay away, right? It's like, my, I'm out of my business, doing my own thing. He even walked past my cart a couple of times, and I'm like, well, this guy's kind of weird. All right, staying away. So I'm doing my thing. I'm buying my groceries, and I get to the end of my list, and I'm putting my groceries in my cart. When I, when I look down and I realize, these aren't my groceries. In fact, these are really weird ingredients, and I would never buy this. And at that moment, I'm like, huh? How did that happen? And then it hit me. I stole the guy's cart. (laughs) 
oh my gosh, in that moment, I was like, I stole his cart. And then I was like, uh, uh, and it like, it's like when your brain goes a million miles, and you're like, uh, uh, what do I do? I was like, what do I do now? Do I ditch it? Do I just run? Do I get my groceries out and just leave it? And then I'm like, well, where's my cart, you know? So I'm having this happen, I'm having this moment, and I decided, okay, I should probably take the cart up front. Surely he went up front, he's trying to find his groceries. And I'm so embarrassed, but like also laughing because like it's really ridiculous. And so I went up there and I saw the cashiers and I was like, um, excuse me, uh, is, some, is there somebody looking for their cart, some man? And they all started to laugh. They're like, you're the one that stole his cart? <laughs> they said, oh, he was so mad. And I was like, yeah, my bad. Um, but guess what? I was distracted. Here I was thinking I was on the right track, thinking I was checking off my list. And sure enough, I, I think what happened is I went to grab and I like left my cart and went to grab something and I just turned around and put it in the first cart and I took off. And I, here's the crazy thing. I've had a moment of almost doing that again, you guys. It's a bad. So if you see me at the grocery store, just stay away, right? I might take your groceries. But that is what happens in life. We get distracted. We think we're fine. So oftentimes, we don't know we're distracted until we know we're distracted. And that is a dangerous place to be because we get our eyes off of the thing that matters most. And there are distractions in our life that I know that we can control. Distractions like what we're watching, what, what we're consuming. We are content consu uh, consumers right now. What are we consuming? What are we watching? It might be what you're listening to. Too much radio about politics, right? Sometimes what you're hearing in your ears, the music you listen to, that can take your focus and your devotion off of God. It might be who you spend time with. You know, for some of us, there's somebody in our life that maybe is pulling us away from God. Or it might be just some habits that you have that you know you need God to help you break. And so distractions can come from good things and bad things. But at the end of the day, it's not about the distraction. It's about the priority that it has in our lives. Remember, Jesus said, the most important thing to do is to love and love with all of us. And I know this isn't easy, and I've had times in my life where this has been a struggle. My final story I want to share today is just from a real place, and some of you might have uh, heard some of me share this before at a women's event, but a couple years ago, um, if you didn't know, my husband, Alex, has had some health struggles. And he's gone through this season of not knowing what's going on with his body. And so it started off with like an injury that then turned into like, we don't know what's going on with you, to referrals and referrals to other doctors, and eventually them saying, you need to go see a neurologist at the Mayo Clinic. And so of course, we're like, just live in life. We didn't expect this. This comes out of nowhere. And so then we're trying to figure out what's next, what's going to happen with him. And it was a really hard time for me because it produced a lot of fear in me of the unknown. We didn't know what was going on with him. And because of that, I started to try to figure it out and take control myself. So first thing I did is I started to Google. Bad idea. <laughs> Don't, I know some of you do that. Don't WebMD. It's bad, right? But I started to Google and I'm like looking up all of his symptoms and thinking like, what could he have? And then we're getting phone calls and we've got doctors saying, well, maybe he has MS. Maybe he'll be in a wheelchair. We have doctors saying, well, he might actually have this really rare, incurable disease for the rest of his life. 
And for me, I'm like, this is, this is not how our life was supposed to be. He's healthy. He runs. He wants to run with our children. We have this picture of life, and all of a sudden, what I thought life was going to be, it's now in jeopardy. And, and I feel like I, I've got to do something. Well, what happened was my thought life spiraled. I began to have a lot of anxiety, a lot of nervous thoughts, a lot of darkness. And I struggled with this for a while. And guess what? I was coming to church. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. But there was an area of my life that I had not given full devotion to God. This area popped up and I realized that there was a deeper level of trust that I needed to go with God. And so I'll never forget, I was in the kitchen and I had one of these dark thoughts again and it hit me that something had to change. That this was not how God wanted me to live. I didn't have to live with these thoughts anymore. And so I decided to do something different. And I said, God, I don't want to live this way. I'm going to be all in. And I started to change my devotion to God into a deeper way. I started to memorize scripture because I knew that truth would help me and set me free. I stopped Googling. I was like, I'm not even looking anymore. I'm going to trust the doctors. I'm going to trust God. And I'm not even going to worry. I started listening to worship music. And I had times where I'm saying, okay, God, speak to me through this worship music. Encourage me. I need your encouragement today. Encourage me. And I would pray. I would share with others when I came to church that I needed prayer. And it's the most amazing thing as I stand up here today. And I share that with you because I now am on the other side of that. And because I gave myself fully to God, he changed my heart. Today, I don't live in fear of the future with him. We, we still honestly don't have a full understanding of what's going on with him. But I don't live in fear anymore. I have a peace that surpasses understanding. And it's, it's not anything I did. All I did was give God all of me, and then he did the work. And that's because transformation is God's job, and devotion is my responsibility. And that's it. Transformation is God's job, and devotion is my responsibility. All we have to do is be devoted, and then he takes care of the rest. How awesome is that? We don't have to try to wake up every morning and, like, stress out. I'm going to be good. I'm going to try to love God more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to try to not say that bad word. No, we just say, God, I'm giving you all of me as I am, and I'm going to do my best to give you all of me every day, every minute, every second. And then as you look back, as I do today on 16-year-old Missy, it's like, man, God, look what you did. I'm not great. I'm not perfect. I have my struggles. But where he brought me from is what it's all about. And I want that for you today. And so as we close, up here you'll see I have some tulips. Beautiful flowers, right? Tulips are perfect for Mother's Day. But it was something that I learned about tulips a while back that always stuck with me, and I want to share it with you today. Because when I heard this, it really hit me in the heart, and it was something I've, I continue to think about. I had heard, you know, tulips, they only really come out like one to two weeks a year, which is insane to me. It's, they're so pretty, and then they go away very fast. But they're beautiful, and one thing I learned that they do that's really special is that they are phototropic. And what that means is that they bend to the light source. No matter where they are in the room, no matter the light source, these tulips, you'll see them bending to try to get to the light. And that, when I heard that, I said, that's who I want to be. I want to be a person who is bending to the light. I want to be a person that's doing whatever I can 
to get close to the light of the world, and that is Jesus. That whatever life brings, I'm bending to him. I'm not going to break. I'm going to bend. I'm going to twist. I'm going to face the only light source I need. And that is our answer. And that is what Jesus has said when we give him all of us. So as you listen to this message today, what is your takeaway today? Maybe for you, you've related to me at 16. You're coming to church, maybe for the first time or the first time in a really long time, and you've realized that you've never done that. You've never really been all in for God. You've maybe even tried to kind of be a Christian, but you've never really given him all of you. And you realize, I want to do that. And here's the best news. You can do it today. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait to clean up your life. You don't have to try to get all perfect. He just says, come as you are. I just want you. Remember, he doesn't want the religious obligation. He wants you. And maybe that's some of you. And I'm so excited because I know God is going to meet you exactly where you are today. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a while and you can relate to me with Alex's health struggles and the struggles that I had. You've been following Jesus, but you've realized that there is an area of your life where you need to have a deeper trust and devotion to him. There's an area you've been holding back and not giving him full control. Well, the best part of today is, one, he already knows that. And two, today we can confess that to him and commit to him again and say, I know I've been doing it my way, but I want to do it your way, God, and I want to be changed. And so maybe you're in that place today. If you are in one of these two camps and you're like me and, and I want to be all in always for God, fully devoted, I want to love God with all of me in every area because I know he has the best plans for me. I don't ever have to doubt that. I'm not perfect, but he's working in me. If you're to here today on either side and you say, I want to be all in, I would love to pray for you. Because I know what it's like to be there, and I myself am making that, declare, declaring that today, making that commitment. And so if you say, today, I want to be all in. I want to be fully devoted to God. Would you just raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for us today. Okay, I'm raising my hand, too, because there are still areas in my life that I want to be fully devoted. So if you guys, with your, with your hands raised, we're going to bow our heads, and we're going to pray together. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us the greatest love, the heart and devotion that you have for us. We want to have that same love for you. We want to be all in, fully devoted, not distracted, not deceived. Help us, Lord, as we commit to you today. We know that you're going to be with us. You're going to give us strength. And I thank you for the transforming work that you're going to do that only you can do. We love you and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.